Well, good morning. My name is Josh, and I'm delighted to be your pastor. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, let's see if this is going to work here. Well, it is really great to be here, and several people have asked, you know, how are we getting settled in, and, and what are things like? And honestly, coming up here was totally uh, overwhelming. You know, the new place, new role, moving, getting situated, but... Uh, but we absolutely love uh, being here with you. And uh, just this week, Heather and I were talking, and we said, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Maybe that's not quite exactly the word, but anyway, thank you. But have you ever uh, been in a situation where you feel you didn't belong? Yep, me too. Uh, one of those was uh, in college. Uh, Heather, or one of us, was taking a humanities class, and we got really cheap tickets to go to the opera. Has anyone been to the opera? Yeah. So it was The Marriage of Figaro, and I was hoping I was going to hear the song, you know, Figaro, 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 uh, but no, apparently that's not from that opera. And uh, the opera was four hours long, and uh, in Italian. And uh, I was probably not dressed appropriately. And uh, we were way, way up in the back and, you know, didn't understand. It's hard to follow the plot. You know, what's going on? Don't understand. Uh, feeling out of place. Didn't really feel like I belonged. But it was a great cultural experience. Um, just, uh, just yesterday, we, I w- did a common thing where we'd go, we were right down at the Embarcadero in Morro Bay, and we were looking in little shops. Caleb and I really enjoy that part. And... Uh, if, you, if you're like most, most guys, you go in these shops and there's all these little trinkets and, and things and you feel two things. One is there's nothing here for me and uh, I'm probably going to break something if I stay in here very long. So, so we went outside. Um, maybe this is a story of my life. Uh, moving furniture, you ever help somebody move and there's several of you trying to carry like a hide-a-bed or something awkward and you realize uh, I'm actually not carrying any of the weight and I'm just in the way. You know, this is, anyone happened to that? Anybody have that thing happened to them? Maybe I could probably go on, but I'll just say one more. Have you ever gone to a spouse's um, high school reunion? So you feel obligated to go, but you really feel uh, kind of on the outside, don't you? And uh, I drug Heather to one of mine, and she drug me to one of hers. And that's just the, the fact of life. Well, you know, we, we experience these things. Um, but the sad thing is, is sometimes we feel like that at church. We feel like we're, we don't belong. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, like the opera, we don't quite follow what's happening. And maybe we wonder if we're dressed right or not. I don't know. Or maybe, uh, like helping somebody move, you feel like I'm just kind of in the way and I'm not really, I don't have anything to contribute here. Or like the trinket shop, you feel like uh, there's really nothing here for me and I'm probably going to mess things up anyway. If I, if I jump in. Um, well, sometimes church feels like that. But that's not how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> because God designed us in his family to matter. He designed us to belong. And the good news is if you're a follower of Jesus, you absolutely belong. If you feel on the fringe, if you feel right in the middle, whatever the case, you, you belong. So uh, if you've been here the past few weeks, you notice we're looking at some of the the metaphors or imagery pictures of the church. Um, These are all from uh, Paul's writings in the New Testament. And uh, he talks about the church being like a field or a farm. 
and, uh, and, and pastors and Christian workers are just uh, workers in the field. And the point of all that is that our allegiance should really be only in Christ and not in any you know, human person. Uh, then we looked at the building or the temple, you know, the holy building that the church is uh, compared to. And we see that our foundation should only be the good news about Christ's death and resurrection, the gospel. That's really the core, our focus. And then last week we looked at uh, the bride where our banner should only be love. You know, the church should be known as the place where, where love is. That should be our identifying feature to the rest of the world. Well, today we're going to look at one last metaphor, and that is uh, one of the most common ones in the New Testament, and that is the church as the body of Christ. It's like a human body with all different parts, and, uh, and it belongs to Christ, and uh, we are called the body of Christ. And I think the main point of that is that you matter in the church. And isn't that good news? Especially for those of us who have felt kind of on the fringe of church at times. And so uh, this morning we're just going to look at two main reasons that you belong, and they're related to this body uh, imagery, and then several implications of those reasons. And we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 12. And I'd like to just set, uh, set us off by looking at the first uh, few verses, and then uh, we're going to start uh, really studying in verse 4. So, Romans, uh, sorry, this Bible is quite small. Turns out Romans and Revelation are almost on the same page. Okay, here we are, Romans 12. And if you l- use one of those pew Bibles, um, I looked it up and it's at page 948, right at the... Um, actually, this verse is on the page before. Okay, here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul has just spent the whole book up to this point talking about all this really profound theology. You know, how, how Jesus, uh, his death and resurrection did all these things in our lives. It declared us righteous before God. That relationship with the Heavenly Father that was broken can now be repaired and we can have peace with God. Uh, we're forgiven of our sins. Uh, he never leaves us. And all these things, on and on and on, he piles all these things. And then he says in the beginning of chapter 12, Therefore, based on all of these things, here's what we ought to do. It's just present our bodies to God for his use. And the second verse says, uh, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you can discern what the will of God is, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. So we're going to talk about the church and how it's like a body and how it's not like the world views an organization. Because we come with all these thoughts about how the rest of the world functions, and we kind of push that into church. But he's saying, don't be conformed to that. Let your mind be transformed. This is an entirely different thing. This is not an institution. It's not a club. It's not a corporation. It's a body. And that has some really serious implications for us. So Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, gives us two really great reasons that each of us matters in the church. 
So first of all, you matter because you have been supernaturally united with Christ's church. Look at verse 3, the first part says, For by the grace given to me, uh, this is Paul talking, he says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So in other words, starting out this whole uh, uh, explanation of how the church is like a body and how we should be thinking about each other and thinking of ourselves within the church, he starts it off by saying, uh, don't think like this. Don't maybe literally overconsider yourself. Don't overthink this as if it was all about you. You know, my program, my music, my seat. You notice we're wandering around sitting in other people's seats. Sorry about that. That's not just to cause trouble. My idea. I'm the only one who understands what this church should be doing. That kind of thinking of, you know, it's all kind of revolves around, around you know, me. You know, what, what do I want in church? Or, or like you're shopping. Does this have all the things I want in a church? Okay, yeah, that's... And that he said, no, it's, church is not about you in that, in that way. So don't overthink your place in the church. But instead, smart think or sensible think. It says in, in verse, uh, the rest of verse 3, think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So kind of literally that, that word for sober judgment is like a, a saneness or sensibleness, or, or like a, a holding back or a controlledness. And so this kind of thinking where the church revolves around me, is he call, that's insane. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And, and we'll see kind of why in a minute. But, but I think just simply, it's, it, it doesn't make sense because spiritual maturity or your aptitude or your skill or your giftedness, your role in Christ's church, is a gift from God. And so whatever your place is here, whatever your function is here, you can't look at it and, and get puffed up and think it's about you because it's just a gift. You can't say, wow, I'm so amazing. I gave myself this gift. No, because it's, it's, from, it's from God. And, and also in that verse, God has gifted every believer with a measure of faith at his choosing. So it's not just that he, you know, tossed this stuff out and like, here, everybody, you know, like someone would like toss over a, a truck of, of food for, for beggars or something. You know, I'm thinking of a peasant situation here. Um, take it, everybody. No, he, he personally says, no, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. And it's for, um, it's for the church. In verse 4, we just keep going right down here. He says, for as in one body, we have many members. Members, not like your membership in something, but it's like many organs or many parts. There's many, there's many pieces to the human body. So there's one body, many parts, and all the members don't all have the same function. And that's just like it is in the body of Christ. So here he starts getting to the point of this illustration. The church is like a body in that there's one church, but there's lots of different parts. And all the parts are connected together. We're joined together like a human body. And I think maybe there's two things we could say about that. Uh, being united together means we're inseparable. You're just interwoven. You don't just randomly you know, pluck off body parts. It's just, it's just a really bad idea. 
Um, but it also means we're, we're interdependent, meaning we're dependent on each other. We're connected in a way where, where I depend on you, you depend on me, and each of us with each other. That's just how, how we're designed to be in Christ's church. When you place your trust in Christ and become a follower of his, you get placed into a family, into a body. Um, this, this whole chapter started off with the word brothers, or you could maybe say siblings. It's, it's family language. And I think because of so many uh, centuries of church talk, you know, we're pretty familiar with calling uh, people brother or sister, especially in some cultures or denominations. We, you know, we say, you know, brother Caleb. Well, he's my son, but you know what I mean. And, uh, but, but in this New Testament time, it was a totally radical new way to talk about people. Family, like blood family, was, was everything. It was everything. The biggest question is, who, who's your daddy? You know, who are you actually related to? And so Jesus placed on this, on the church, on his family, all this, uh, this family language. And so you've been placed into the family of God. Okay, so I want you to just glance around the room for a minute and try to find the person who is the most different from you that you can imagine. Just look around. You know, don't, don't just set your gaze on them because that might be awkward, but <laughs> look around. I see some of you still looking at me. That's, that's okay. Okay, so with that in mind, if you're both followers of Jesus, you are supernaturally united together with that person. You are interdependent with that person. And that's a, a beautiful thing of how Christ's body works. Whenever I go to get my license renewed, uh, they ask me if I want to be an organ donor. And I think, well, I'm not really, I don't really have any use for this after I'm dead, so, you know, give me the little pink dot. Um, and so I've typically been an organ donor. And I think this is kind of what it's like when you become a follower of Jesus you are transplanted into something living. So as part of humanity in general, we're part of something that's, that's dying. Um, but uh, before we've gone completely cold, <laughs> if you place your trust in, in Christ, he transplants you into something that's very much alive. It's Christ's own body, his church, and it's full with, with life, and it's surging, surging through us. And that is the privilege of being joined with Jesus and with each other. It's not a club we're part of. It's not a corporation or an institution, but it's something about being inseparable and interdependent. Okay, I mentioned that uh, several places in the New Testament use this body uh, metaphor, and one of those is in 1 Corinthians. And uh, just some of the phrases there are sort of immediately uh, applicable, and I'd like to read some of that to you. In 1 Corinthians 12, here's just four things I'd like to point out from verses 25 and 26. We'll come back to the rest of that chapter in a few minutes. But notice here, it says, that there may be no division in the body. So that's kind of a first application of being joined with each other, is that there's not dividing, there's not taking up sides, there's not, there's not name-calling, there's none of that. That's, that doesn't make sense if we're part of the same unified thing but the members may have the same care for one another 
and it's been very fun coming back to this church and seeing the care that is for one another in this, in this church family. That's the intent. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Now, there's places, more than one place in God's word, where Jesus tells us that as followers of his, there's going to be hard things. And he even says, you know, you, you'll be persecuted. And uh, it's not even a problem people have with us. It's a problem they have with Jesus. He, he tells us this. This is not a surprise. And so I think sometimes in cultures like ours that are, that are pretty, um, um, pretty open to, to different religions and Christianity, one of those, is that we try to uh, kind of conjure up a, a persecution complex out of, you know, out, out of some subtleties of persecution. And, uh, and I think part of it's because of those verses that says, you know, if you're the real deal, you're going to be persecuted. And we're like, well, I better, you know, better be persecuted then. But uh, years ago, I, I saw um, a pastor. He was in Israel. This is where it was filmed. And he pointed out something very uh, profound to me that's changed my view on that. And uh, he says, you're not just joined with each other in this room, but you're joined with the universal church of Christ in the world. All those who follow Christ are part of the same body. So does the body of Christ physically, tangibly suffer right now? Absolutely. And that's what we're remembering today is the persecuted church. There's parts of the world where it's just horrific and unimaginable to think of the kinds of persecution that goes on. And so being knit together, unified, means when they hurt, we hurt. Our hearts break for our brothers and sisters around the world who feel very real, urgent, life-and-death kind of persecution uh, right now. And so that's part of the application of that. And I love how it ends this way. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. <laughs> we don't just weep with each other. We, we laugh and rejoice and celebrate together. You know, we, we come together for, for weddings and, and, and just other events just to honor and celebrate. That's what the body is like. So, you matter in the church, and the church should matter to you because you are supernaturally united together, inseparable, and interdependent. But, why do so many of us not feel that way? We might even give assent to that, you know, theologically, like, yes, I know that the Bible says we're connected together, but I just don't feel like part of this thing. And I think that's what the rest of these verses talk about. Because part of the reason we don't feel connected is because we're not functioning like we're connected. And so that's the second thing. You matter because you've been specially gifted in Christ's church. You have a certain function, a certain role, a certain set of, of gifts and talents to offer up to him. Verse 6 starts out saying, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, uh, let us use them. So you matter in the church because you have a special uh, part to play here. Just like all the organs in the body. There's not you know, all these random things that you just don't need in a body. Here's just a couple thoughts about the gifts. Each gift, each of us is gifted for a unique role. Um, kind of alluded to that earlier. It's God handpicked 
your skill set, your personality, your spiritual uh, aptitudes and giftedness and propensities. He designed all that for you to use for his sake and for the sake of his church. Each is get well, these kind of related. Each is gifted by God's choosing. It's a unique role, and it's God's choice. So what should we do? The end of that verse says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So if you've been given this gift, if you're connected to the body, you belong here, you're important, you're connected, you matter, live out your role in the church. Because you certainly belong. And here he gives some examples um, in verses 6 to 8. Okay, use your gifts. If prophecy, then in proportion to your faith. Verse 7, if in service and you're serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So however God sets you up, however he's designed you and uniquely gifted you and all that encompasses who you are, use that for him. Use it in the church. Use it to serve one another. And that is the whole point. You'll find meaning and significance when you are serving in his church, in his body. Well, there used to be this really long list of, of vestigial organs, you know, things in our body that, that were supposedly leftovers that we don't need. Um, you can ask uh, Caleb about wisdom teeth at some other time. I won't tell that story, but he's got a good wisdom teeth story. Um, and uh, as you would expect uh, from a from a design point of view, God being the designer, there's really, uh, really most of these things we're finding out that they really do have purposes. Okay, but with that aside, in Christ's body, there's no vestigial organs. There's no, you know, swollen tonsil that you just, you know, take out. There's, that's not, that doesn't happen in Christ's body. You are a vital part of his body. Has anyone heard of uh, Ming Li? Nobody? Then I have, oh, you have. So I have the privilege of telling this story to the rest of you. Just outrageous. This happened several years ago in China. A young girl, um, well, Ming, was on her way to school, and she was run over by a tractor in, a, in an accident, and it severed her hand completely. And uh, the wrist was too, um, I don't know the medical term, but, you know, messed up to attach the hand. And so they attached her hand temporarily to her calf to save the hand. And, uh, and later, they were able to attach the hand back onto the wrist, and, and it took, and she was gained function of her hand and was able to use it. She, the hand was saved. It's just a kind of an outrageous story of what, you know, what you could do in, in medical science. And maybe think of this guy, uh, Jerry, a friend of mine uh, down in San Diego, who has been on a, I, I see the blank stares of, where's he going with this? Um, he's been on this journey of finding his sweet spot of ministry because he believes passionately in what this passage is about and each of us is uniquely gifted. And he's been trying out different things and he's like, no, that's not just quite it. I feel like the Lord has something else for me. And he keeps doing that. But what he hasn't done is stop serving altogether because he can't find his sweet spot. He's been jumping in at wherever and figuring it out as he goes along. So some of you might not feel you found your sweet spot of where you fit in the church. And some of you, because of that, have just kind of 
let yourself die on the side and and uh, and grow cold and dead. But uh, it's better to be connected, you know, to a calf and be in the wrong place and and still be saved. Okay, still you know save the life of your yourself um, as you eventually find where you really belong uh, in the body of Christ. Okay, you're relieved. I was going somewhere with that. Good. good. Okay, I'd like to uh, spend kind of the rest of the time just going back to 1 Corinthians 12 and, and pointing out five things that I think we could, we could learn from this, kind of practical things that it means, of what it means to be in his body and to be gifted especially in his body. So 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to put these on the screen in the, in the New Living Translation just to mix things up today. And verse 7, um, I'm going to skip around just a little bit, but starting in verse 7, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So, lesson number one is, why, do you, why are you gifted? It's so we can help each other. It's for the sake of the whole body. And so, um, if you have a special aptitude and you discover, wow, this thing is actually really just uh, promoting myself and helping me, then uh, you're doing it wrong. Um, is for the helping each other. Verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And I think from this we learn to use your gifts with humility because they are gifts, you know, not deserved from God. Some of you have been gifted in some really unique ways and maybe some, some upfront, obvious, you know, broadcasting kind of ways, spectacular ways. And uh, the tendency when that happens is to draw the spotlight on ourselves. But, uh, but these don't come from us. They're gifts from God. Uh, third thing, uh, this is verses 12 and 13, same chapter. The whole human body, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So the spirit of God has plunged us all into one big happy family when we place our trust in Christ. Whether you came from a background, in this case he's talking to people who were, were a mixed group of, of Jews and Gentiles and, and slaves and free people and just a hodgepodge of people, like, like pretty much every church is a hodgepodge of different people from different backgrounds. And I think this is a good lesson that don't let your background, your status in the world, hinder you from participation in Christ's church, in his, his body, in his family. No matter where you came from, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're designed to belong. In, uh, in Escondido, I had several roles in different ministries I kind of um, oversaw. And one of them they called the Welcome Patio. And it was just a place we had coffee and we handed out uh, information to visitors. And it was a large campus, so a lot of what we did was just try to explain to people where they take their kids. You know, it, it was it was rather complicated. It was maybe too complicated. But anyway, it was a fun ministry to be part of, and, and this sweet uh, lady, Nicole, started helping us out in that ministry. And, 
Nicole, uh, she just stood out. You, you just notice her in the crowd. Um, she had, part of her life, she was at least semi-homeless, and uh, she kind of dressed like a gypsy, and she had a real, just a real hard background, a lot of things that she'd experienced and have, have happened to her. She was, um, she was heavily tattooed all over. I like to say in my family, think before you ink. Um, and she had, uh, when I first met her, uh, just a, a big tattoo that just said evil across her back. And uh, because, you know, she wasn't always following Jesus. And uh, she was trying to have a friend who, um, it actually might have been her brother who was a, a tattoo artist, change it to fear no evil, but just wasn't working out, so she reworked it into something else. But anyway, this is Nicole, and you'd, you'd notice her if you, if you met her. And she was helping out for a little while and kind of became consistent. And so we wanted to make her look like an official part of the, the patio ministry. And so I made up a, a name tag for her. And, you know, it said the name of the church and whatever, had her name on it. And when I gave it to her, uh, she just wept. She just started crying. And uh, she realized, you know, this is a place I can belong. And I imagine that was the big question in her mind. Is this a place I belong? Yes, Nicole, this is a place that you belong. Something as simple as a little name tag, <laughs> you know, that took me five minutes to make, um, was super meaningful because of what it represented. Okay, just a couple more. Verses 15 to 17, or I know I've kind of wandered around, so we're still in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, if the ear says, which is funny, an ear talking, but if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, how would you even hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? How would you smell anything? This makes me think that we can't diminish our own gifts or our function, our role in Christ's church, because each is significant. You can't go through life in the church and say, oh, because I'm not, you know, that person who could sing or that person who just prays so eloquently or whatever it might be, that I'm, I don't really belong. But no, we all belong. And kind of the flip side of that is this, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. And whenever I read this, I think of uh, Monsters, Inc. with the little guy that's just one big eye, but that's just, that's just me. How strange it would be, indeed, if it were only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So while we can't diminish our own giftedness and feel like, ah, I don't really belong, we also can't diminish anybody else's giftedness and their place in the body. Each is significant. Okay, just kidding. I did have one more from that. Actually, whoop, back up. Oh, I'm giving away all the things because I'm swiping the wrong way. I'll learn. We'll all learn together. It'll be okay. Okay, never mind. That is, that was the, I think I left something out. Okay, forget that whole last paragraph. <laughs> all of this boils down to this thing. You matter in the church. You belong. You matter because you've been supernaturally united. You're all connected together and intertwined and interdependent. And you matter because you've been specially gifted. You play a unique part in Christ's church. And this is where 
This is where you're supposed to be. You belong. Now, this is a really fun message to give here because I know that there's a real sense of, uh, of a mutual care for each other in this church. And I hear the stories about when people are going through a difficult time in their life, um, you know, a physical thing or whatever, that sometimes they have to say, stop bringing the food because this church just wraps around and, and loves each other. So um, I thought of this verse in Ephesians uh, when I thought of you guys. It says, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you should live or walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. In other words, really great job. There's a lot of love here. Just keep doing more and more. That's what we're called to. Be, be the body. Be the body. A concluding challenge is just to sum it up is uh, because of all these things, live like you matter in the church. You do matter. You do belong. And now live out your role in the church. Now, in a moment, we're going to celebrate uh, communion, the Lord's table together. And these things are so tied together. The church is one body. We're united together. And the very word communion, uh, which we often call this, um, it speaks to that unity in together in the church. And so you can put all your, your note stuff away and whatever, and, uh, and we'll prepare to celebrate communion in just a moment. Just the, the chapter right in front of that, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, it, uh, it explains the, the ceremony or the observance of, of communion, of celebrating the Lord's table together. And so with these chapters right next to us, they're, they're obviously tied. And uh, this, this celebrating, um, taking the, the bread and the cup together is a picture of our union with Christ and of our union with Christ's body, just like we've talked about. And so whenever we, we eat that little piece of bread and we drink that little, little bit of the fruit of the vine, then we are proclaiming that interconnectedness, that we are partakers with Christ and we're partakers together with one another in his body. And the whole reason that there, there is a body, there is a church, there is a family, the whole reason that we can be united and we can belong to Christ is because God the Father sent his son to the earth to give his life for us. And when he willingly went to the cross and sacrificed his life for you and for me, he made a way for us to be part of that family. He gave the invitation, come, believe, trust, and belong. Be part of the family. Uh, John 1 says, you know, a lot of people didn't believe, but the ones who did believe, to them he gave the right to become the very children of God, even to those who believe in him. So, uh, so this ceremony is really for for the body, for the children of God, the family. So anyone, no matter where you're from, if you've placed your trust in Jesus and are a follower of his, then we invite you to, to partake of the, the elements with us. And so in, in just a moment, in fact, the, those who are serving can, can come on up. And, and if you're unfamiliar, how we'll do it is, is in the trays, there's, there's uh, the bread and there are the little cups. So as it's passed around, just uh, take one of each and hang on to that. And we'll, 
as a symbol of our unity together, we'll, we'll all partake um, together at once. And uh, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can just, just pass that on. That's, that's okay. But at the same time, we'd sure love to tell you how to be part of the family. Because, wow, Jesus has changed our lives, made us one, and uh, we don't want to leave you out of that. There's room. <laughs> There's still room. So um, let me pray over the elements, and then we'll take Dear Heavenly Father, I am just so thankful that you gave us your son. And Jesus, I'm so thankful that you willingly gave your life. And Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful that you have plunged us all into the family of Christ together if we've placed our trust in him. And so, Lord, we come together to to celebrate you to, to remember and reflect on the greatest thing in the entire universe, and that's that Christ died to save sinners like me. And we come to celebrate that together, and we do it in Christ's name. Amen.